Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. So, once I was a very young pastor. Now, honestly, I, I was. And I just started out, and uh, it, was, it was in this church, but not in this building. It was in the old building. And the, the senior pastor at the time was away, and so I was left uh, leading the service. And I was really young. I was in my 20s. And um, there was a bit in the service where, and we do something in our church. We don't do it a lot on a Sunday morning now, to be honest, where sometimes some people in the audience, in the congregation, feel that God has given them something to share, something to say. And so what, what our process is, they would come to one of us, one of the leaders, and they would say what it is, and we would ask them what it is, and just Check it out because the Bible says that when you do feel God has spoken to you, you should weigh it and you should test it and it should be done in order. So this guy came to me and said, I feel that that God wants to say something around this. And I said, well, tell me exactly what you want to say. And he said, well, I think that what what I think God is saying is that Jesus is coming back sometime and we need to be ready. And then he said a little few things about what it means to be ready. And I thought to myself, that sounds great. So I let him do it. I know. So I'm so so the, so the man's finished, and I'm standing here, and he's coming and standing there, and he says exactly what he told me he was going to say, and then continued to say something else. And before I could do anything, he pulled a book out of his pocket and said, "And and and in terms of when Jesus is going to return, this book says it's going to be on May the 26th." <laughs> that was an awkward moment, because then what I've got to do as a young guy then is come in and not kind of you know, embarrass him, but at the same time, correct what he just said, because what he just said was completely wrong. Because May the 26th, 19, whenever it was, has come and gone. And that's introducing this subject, and the title is, When Will Jesus Return? And the reality is that this subject is something that we don't talk about much in this church, and there are reasons for that. Because there's something that's happened to this subject over the years. Number one, for some it's become an obsession. I know some Christians that every single thing that happens is then going to connect to the end times, to when Jesus is going to return, to when the world's going to end and all that. It's become an obsession. For some, it's become a distraction. I really believe it's become a distraction. We're so focused on what might happen that we're not engaging with what should be happening right here on our earth, right now in real time. For some, it's become an irrelevance. Some, we don't even think about it. For some, it's become a fear that the end of the world might come and we're we're fearful. None of those responses I think are healthy or I think would Jesus would want us to engage with. And if you're not a person of faith yet, you might even be thinking, I don't really, I don't even know whether Jesus existed in the first place. But listen, this is one of the most Google questions by people of faith and of not faith. If this world's gonna end, how is it gonna end? And what part could Jesus have to play in it? All kinds of faith. Uh, most of the major world religions will acknowledge Jesus and they'll acknowledge Jesus as a prophet and Jesus is connected in their minds to what will happen at the end of the world. So what are we going to look at today? We're going to look at four main things and we're going to look at these things here. We're going to look at what we were never meant to know, what we're unsure about, what we're certain of, and most importantly, I think, what our response should be. So this is a little bit more teach than preach today, okay? So hopefully you engage with that as well. So number one, what were we never meant to know? We were never meant to know the specific date and time. So the answer to the question, when will Jesus return? I have no clue and I shouldn't have. And if any of you suggest, if you ever hear anybody or you see anyone online that tells you they've worked out when Jesus will return, do not watch that video. 
Do not watch that video. I'm serious. Because the Bible says this, look in Acts chapter 1, and Jesus has been dead, he's resurrected, he's appeared to his disciples, he's about to ascend to heaven. And they're asking him the question that we've been asking for 2,000 years. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. In fact, earlier in Matthew 24, he said this, the next one, Olga, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So when someone comes and tells you, I know the exact date when Jesus is going to return, not even Jesus knew the date. That's what he says. In other words, this is something that only belongs to God the Father. I don't even know what the specific date is either. And over the last 2,000 years, people have tried to predict when it's going to be. So it was going to be in AD 500, and that was worked out because of the dimensions of Noah's Ark, believe it or not. Then it was going to be on the 1st of January, the year 1000, because that was the first millennium. And then the JWs came along and they said, Jehovah's Witnesses, they said it will be 1914 which of course was the outbreak of World War I, horrendous occasion. But then it wasn't 1914, so then they adjusted it to 1925. And now we're here in 2023. And then it was going to be 1988. And there was a book written called 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988. And it sold four and a half million copies. And then it was going to be the year 2000. Remember the millennium bug? Anyone remember that? And it was going to be that. And this is intrinsic within all of us as human beings. This is fertile ground for conspiracy theories based out of fear and sometimes even superstition. And Jesus says, you're never meant to know the date or the time. You're never meant to know. Also, you're not meant to know. We're not meant to know the specific nature of every sign or event. In Matthew 24, which is a key chapter where Jesus talks about the signs at the end of the age, he tells us to be watchful, to be alert. But it's quite clear he never meant us to be preoccupied with working out what every single world event means. We're to be watchful, not speculative. And that's so, so important. And so you get things like the mark of the beast in Revelation. You've seen it on, on movies if you're not a church person, 666, you know, the mark of the beast and who's the Antichrist and it's going to be Nero and then it was Napoleon and it was Hitler and it was Saddam Hussein and it's Bill Gates and all of this kind of stuff. And we're not meant to work out what every single sign means. The whore of Babylon, you haven't heard that talked about much in church, have you? You know, I mean, I mean, this beast with 10 horns got to be the EU because that started with 10 countries. Now, of course, we've got 27. So that theory kind of runs a little bit short. And, and the reason I'm not trying to be dismissive, I'm trying to say, don't get focused on what we were never meant to focus on in the first place. Trying to work out everything that happens. We were never meant to know the specific date or time or the nature of every single world event. But number two, what are we unsure about? What are we unsure about? Because the end is nigh, is what some people, the picture, thank you, is what some people kind of have this kind of view about the end of the world. And I want to get a little bit technical for a moment. Some of you who are newer to faith, there's so many people who are newer to faith and we love that. You'll have never heard about some of this stuff. There are a whole load of doctrines and views called millennial views, okay? And um, some of the classic, what we call evangelical and Pentecostal teaching around this, around things like the rapture, which is this idea where the church, okay, and I don't mean the building, the people of God are taken out of the world as a precursor to Jesus returning. 
Then there's the tribulation, this seven-year period of suffering for those who are left behind. And during that time, the 144,000 that it mentions in Revelation are Jews that come to faith in, in Jesus and become evangelists around the world. And I know this is all getting a little bit deep. Then there's the millennial reign of Christ, where Christ comes to establish his kingdom on earth. And then there's the end when Satan is released into the world and then eventually he ends up in the lake of fire. Now listen, there are scriptures to support that. But all of that view is a relatively new view for the church. It's only been around about 150 years. And there are variations around this theme. There's amillennialism, there's premillennialism, there's postmillennialism. And we're not going to go into all the technicalities of all that. I'm just trying to say we're unsure about all of that. There are loads of different views and loads of different theories, but the reality is we're all unsure about that. There's an older view than that, by the way, that Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead in a single event, which will be climactic and purposeful. And he will come to join his church on the earth who are trying to bring about his kingdom from heaven to earth. And he will join in with that and he'll establish a new heaven and a new earth. See, our other dilemma when we come to this subject is how do we understand prophecy in the Bible? How do we understand books like the book of Revelation? You see, prophecy can be two things. It can be foretelling, but it can also be forthtelling. In other words, it can be predicting what can happen, but it can be speaking about what is happening right now. That's called forthtelling. So try this for size. If Revelation was better understood as foretelling more than foretelling, what would that mean? Maybe Babylon, that it talks about in Revelation, is a picture of the dominant culture of the day. For them, it was Rome. For us, it's our modern culture. Then maybe the goal of Babylon is to seduce us and to cause us to worship that God rather than the true God. And maybe Jerusalem, rather than being a location of geography, is actually a picture of the countercultural people of God who are actually people who belong to God and not to belong to the culture of the day. So that would mean that our materialistic, success-oriented, consumerist society, which puts you and me at the centre, and media and marketing maybe becomes that horror Babylon, which tries to seduce us and draw us away from worshipping the one true God and to be sucked into the whole lies that our culture tells you about what really life is all about. I'm losing some of you already, aren't I? I'm going on a different tack this week. I'm like, who are you? You know, but actually... If revelation is more forthtelling than foretelling, that makes a lot of sense to me. So which road should we go down? We're not sure about all this. But let me tell you this, okay, and I'm nailing my colours to the mast. One of these roads is pretty miserable and pretty horrible. The world spirals downwards. God takes his spirit and his people out and lets the rest of the world go into oblivion. Or the other other view is that Jesus is coming again to work with his church to establish a new heaven and a new earth. I know which one I am. (laughs) And I once heard someone say this, I'm on the welcoming committee, not the planning committee. I don't know. I don't know when Jesus will return. I don't know how it's absolutely going to look, but I'll tell you what, I don't want to be on the planning committee. I want to be on the welcoming committee, don't you? And guys, listen, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I want to tell you, we really believe that this is true, that Jesus who came to planet Earth is coming again. 
because this is what I want to focus on. Number three, what we're certain of is this. Jesus is coming again, right? Jesus is coming again. And here's the thing, as I, as I thought about the coronation yesterday and I was walking over to church thinking about it as I was talking into my video, and I was thinking, anyone ever planned a big family event? My uh, Alison's parents are, have been married for, they're, they're 80 this year, well, dad's 80 this year, just gone 80, and they've been married for 60 years. So we're planning a whole series of family events. How many of you, when you plan family events, have got lists? Anyone a list person? Yeah. How many lists did they have to have to plan the coronation yesterday? Can you imagine that? I mean, whoever got that job of planning the coronation, I mean, how many lists have they got? It's huge, isn't it? And, and I thought about this. I thought, we all knew that King Charles was getting married yesterday at 11... Married. Getting crowned. <laughs> awkward. Getting crowned yesterday at 11 o'clock. OK, let's move on from that. Move on from that. <laughs> and, and so we could plan for that event. Uh, and we don't know when Jesus is coming back. So we can't plan but we can jolly make sure that we're ready because we know He is coming back. What does the Bible teach us about the return of Jesus? Let me just give you six or seven things. Number one, it's a personal return. The Bible says this same Jesus, in other words, this same Jesus who's ascending up to heaven, He is coming back. It's a personal return. Number two, it's a visible return, a visible return. Revelation says every eye will see Him. When He came first time, He came as a baby in an obscure part of Israel. And many people didn't, in fact, Herod couldn't find him. The king couldn't find him. But when he comes back, everybody will see. It's a visible return. Number three, it'll be a sudden return. The Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So why do we spend our time trying to work it out when Jesus said nobody will expect him? It will just happen. It'll be a sudden return. Number four, it will be a decisive return. And then the end will come. When he comes again, that's a decisive return. Number five, it will be a glorious return. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man, when the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. It will be a welcome return. You do not need to fear the coming again of Jesus. If you're right with Jesus, you don't need to fear that at all. And then finally, uh, sorry, it says a welcome return. It's going to be so welcome for each and every one of us. It says in Titus chapter 2.13, while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. What, what's our response? What, what should our response be to this truth that Jesus is coming again? Let me give you four things. Number one, we should be watchful. We should be watchful. This is really important. We should be watchful. We should be alert uh, about what's going on in our world around us. What's happening around the Middle East and Israel is important. It's one of the reasons that Alison and I are so stoked up and excited to be going on a trip to Israel again this year uh, in November. We've already got a bunch of people signed up. And if you'd like to explore that, it is expensive. I get that. But it is definitely a trip of a lifetime to go to those places where Jesus stepped. And Israel, Jerusalem, all of that is important in all of the future. I know that. We don't know exactly how and why, but we should be watchful about that. And say, if you are interested, you can sign up at expression of interest in that trip. We'd love to talk to you about that. But you know, what's happening on the global economic scale is important. What's happening in our culture is important. You know, it says in the book of Chronicles that we're to be like the men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. In other words, we're watchful about what's happening. We're not going to get sucked into working it all out, but we're watchful, we're alert. But secondly, and I want to dwell on this, we should be careful. It matters how you and I live. 
It matters how you and I live because we say, if you're a follower of Jesus, that, we, that, that our allegiance is to Him. Okay, we had a lot of talk about allegiance to the King yesterday. We say our allegiance is to Jesus. Then it matters how we live. We're to be careful. There's an old car sticker that said, Jesus is coming back, so look busy. That's complete rubbish. Jesus is coming back, so be ready. Don't look busy, be ready. I love this quote from a guy called A.W. Tozer, a great old um, author and theologian. When he returns is not as important as the fact we're ready for him when he does return. And knowing this truth should mean a couple of things in our life. Number one, it should mean that we should be aware if there's any unconfessed sin in our life. In other words, if we know we've messed up, we need to tell God and maybe even tell other people So for instance, on Tuesday at midweek, I do feel I need to confess to you all that I messed up badly when I invited Alison onto the stage and told her to sit down like she was a dog, which some of you were here. It was an awkward moment in our marriage and and I have apologised to her and I want to apologise to you as well because it didn't mean to come out like that. But, But there are serious things that maybe you and I know isn't right in our life. It matters. This doctrine, this truth should be something that purifies us, something that keeps us sharp in our relationship with God. And if you're a follower of Jesus, it really matters. You know, confession is simply telling God what he knows anyway. It's not for God's benefit, it's for yours. Can you imagine if Jesus was to come back and in that moment we thought, oh, I've got this in my life which I haven't put right. I don't know when he's going to come back. So all I do know is I can't plan, but I can be ready. So if there's any unconfessed sin in my life, what about this? And I say this often at funerals, it really grieves me. Are there any unresolved conflicts in my world? You know, the Bible says that there's only one time where it's acceptable to slip out of church before you worship and go and put something right with someone else. That's the only time it's acceptable to slip out, really, not to make sure the the, the roast's in the oven. Do you know what I mean? But actually, you know something is wrong between you and someone else. Slip out. Don't worship because what's more important is that you put that right. Are there any unresolved conflicts in your world? You know, life is so short, isn't it? And it saddens me. I remember when my dad passed away, he, um, uh, many years ago, he got some of his brothers and sisters around the, around the bed. Uh, I can still see it now. Uh, and they were, they'd all fallen out with each other, which was often in our family. And, uh, and my dad, as the eldest, was saying, listen, I'm about to go. Put it right. Put it right. Do you know what I mean? Life is so short, put it right with one another. It's so important. Guys, if there's any unresolved conflicts in your world, don't wait. Make a move and put it right. It's so, so important. And, um, you know, any of you uh, remember, if you're old enough, back in the 70s, anyone remember a guy called Larry Norman? Does anyone remember? Am I that old? I was about six of you. Oh my gosh. So when I I was growing up as 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 a Christian, I was in a band and Larry Norman was like this hero and he wrote this incredible song called I Wish We'd All Been Ready and it's based out of the Bible. It really is, but it's a little bit scary because some of the lines in the song are, uh, two friends walking up a hill, one disappears and one left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. A man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise, she turns her head, he's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. I mean, it's a pretty scary kind of thing. But when you look in the Bible, it is actually what the Bible says. And whether it's Jesus coming or whether it's you going home, you don't know 
but you can be ready. None of us can plan for that date, but we can make sure we're ready. So I want to encourage you, even before you leave today, make sure you're ready. If there's anything in your life, confess it to Him. If there's anything with somebody else that you can at least begin to put right, do it because it really, really matters. But number three, we should be purposeful. Not just hanging around waiting for Jesus to return, but we should be purposeful. Guys, we've got a massive job to do, haven't we? You know, we're going to begin a series in a few weeks' time based on the Lord's Prayer. And there's a great line in that where it says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know about you, but what I see on earth is not as I know it is in heaven. Not right now. And so we've got a massive job to do. We should be purposeful while we wait, not passively wait, but actively wait for Jesus to return. It's so, so important. The Archbishop just said yesterday in his address, the Holy Spirit draws love into action was one of the lines he said. The Holy Spirit draws love into action. We don't just feel love, we act love. It's so, so important. We're purposeful in our life. C.S. Lewis, that great writer, he said this, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since we've largely ceased to think of the other world that we have become so ineffective in this. You know, it was a really hard week this week for us in loads of ways. We had a wedding on, uh, yes, on Friday, which was great. Had a really difficult funeral on Thursday. A young woman in our church, really good friend of ours, who went way too early, let two teenage sons, and, and the place was full of people, mostly of whom don't normally go to church. And you know, when I look at it though, but because Abby knew God, because there was hope there in the middle of it, it changes everything, doesn't it? And that's because we know that there's a future world. So we think of that, but that should make us more effective in this. If we're not effective in this world, maybe it's because we've stopped thinking about the next. We should be purposeful. But finally, we should be hopeful. Anyone feel hopeful? I hope you do. We should be hopeful. The Bible says in 1 John 3, verse 3, everyone who has this hope, and this hope, he's talking about the second coming of Jesus, purifies himself just as he is pure as we wait for Jesus to return, it's a hope that keeps us pure. It means that we put things right between us and God and between us and each other. It means that we're involved actively in seeking the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And it causes us to be hopeful because when Jesus returns, that is going to be a glorious, glorious moment. So what about you today? What about you? Are you ready? Are you ready for the big day? I don't know when the big day will be, but are you ready? We knew yesterday, Charles knew it will be May the 6th, 2023, the big day. And people could plan for that. Nobody can plan for the big day, the biggest day of all, the return of the King. We can't plan, but we can be ready. What about you? Are we ready? I wonder if you're willing and able, could you stand with me for a moment? And we're going to pray. And I want to just take a moment before we sing, just for us to ask our own heart, am I ready? Am I ready? Am I as ready as I can be? And the key, the key for that is, am I ready in relationship with Him? Am I ready in relationship with Him? Have I made Him my Lord and my Saviour? Am I living as if He is my Lord and my Saviour? Is my allegiance that I say with my lips, really the truth of my life right now. So let's just take a moment. Maybe just close our eyes for a moment. And I want to give an opportunity today, if there's anybody here and you haven't yet made Jesus the Lord and the leader of your life, maybe you haven't 
kind of said, okay, God, you, 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 you be crowned in my life. You be crowned in my life as the Lord and the leader of my life. And you've never made that decision for yourself. Then I wanna give you an opportunity, not because you could die tonight, but because you need to live tomorrow in the power of Jesus. And so I wanna just pause for a moment. And I wanna give you a moment to reflect that. And if this is true for you and you say, hey, I've never done that. I've never invited Jesus into my life and asked Him to forgive me of my sins and, for, and to accept what He's done and to make and to crown Him the Lord and the leader of my life. And you wanna do that right now, then I would love to pray for you. So while every eye is closed, I wanna ask you just to pop your hand up if that's you. And if you're in one of our sites as well and you wanna do that, you do it right there. Online, you can indicate as well. If anybody here and you wanna make that decision to make Jesus the Lord and the leader of your life today, you've never done it before, but today you wanna do it. I want you to put your hand in the air just so that you know you've made that decision. I'll see it and then I will pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, thank you. Father, thank You for these folks that are responding right now. And Jesus, may they know Your presence and Your peace. May all fear be gone, I pray, in Jesus' Name. May they just know that You love them and that You are right now in a relationship with them. They don't need to fear that day. They don't need to fear any day because You are with them. You're with them now and You'll be with them for eternity as well. May they know it in Jesus' Name, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for that. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, before you go, if you want to chat to someone, please do that. Those of you that responded. We're going to finish by singing and by celebrating our story, the big story of God, of what Jesus did when He came, when He lived, when He died, when He rose again, and the fact that He is coming back again. And I want, you to, I want us to finish like this because it's so important with a subject like this that we get it set right and that we finish with that great sense of hope. Jesus is coming again, right? That's something to be hopeful for and something to make sure we are ready for. Let's celebrate.